But what a blessing to know that we walk with the Lord. And we face uncertain circumstances every day. Some end up being joyful, some end up being stressful, but every day the Lord walks with us, and we are blessed. Father, as we look to your word today, we pray that we would truly uh, think in a way that would please you, that we would make decisions in a way that would please you, that our hearts would be stirred in a way that would please you. You have allowed difficulties in our lives, physically, emotionally, financially, even spiritually. But you have also promised that you use those to accomplish greater spiritual good. And so we pray that we would trust you in the circumstances of our daily lives. Speak to our hearts this hour, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in 2 Peter chapter 3, looking at responding to God's revelation and preparing for the day of the Lord. We spent a couple of weeks talking about the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord and the future of our planet, the day of the Lord and the future of humanity. And now we're back in 2 Peter chapter 3 again, looking at preparing for the day of the Lord, responding to God's revelation. Uh, because God didn't just give us instruction so that we could have fun facts to know and tell. He gave it to us so that we could make wise life choices that would please Him and benefit us. It's all for His glory and our good. And so we learn His Word. And in uh, the book of Second Peter, Second Peter is writing to Christians at large in the first century not large Christians, just Christians living everywhere. Uh, and he sent it out to all of them uh, to encourage them in the Lord because they were facing difficult days. And we are facing difficult days. And he wanted to encourage them. They were going to have, uh, they had uh, people persecuting them coming up from Jerusalem, people persecuting them coming out from Rome, and they were right in the middle and they were going to endure great persecution. And he wanted to encourage them in their walk with Christ. He starts out the letter of Second Peter telling them, I want to remind you of things you already know so that you can remember them. And so I'm going to remind you so after I'm dead you can remember them. Uh, there's a lot of repetition in God's Word. In fact, you should never be turned off by repetition. What should scare you is if you come to church and you hear something you've never heard before, if you've read through the Bible and you've been in church for years and you show up at church and you hear some new thing, that's ne then that should scare you. We don't have a new message. We have a message that's 2,000 years old. We have new stresses and distresses, but they're similar. In fact, when Kathy and I were in Cuba and we were teaching and in a conference, she was teaching the pastor's wives. I was teaching the pastors and missionaries, and she was teaching the ladies. And and uh, some of the ladies were missionaries, uh, and and I was teaching the men. And then we had combined sessions, and uh, they asked us to do a session on the family. And so we talked to them about what are their stresses and distresses in their family. And they were the same things that parents have here. 
Now, admittedly, in Cuba, they didn't have a fear that their 16-year-old would drive a car recklessly because in Cuba, most of the people can't even afford a car. They ride on horse-drawn carts if they can afford a horse, um, or they ride in the bus. But their, their heart for their kids was the same as we had here. All around the world, for all time, the heartbeat of humanity is the same. And we need to turn to the Lord and trust the Lord. So in Second Peter chapter 3, uh, he begins by saying, Beloved. What does that mean? Who's he writing to? He's writing to believers. Beloved means those who are in the same love. Now, I have friends who are not saved, and I have an affinity for them. I care about them. I pray for them that they would get saved. Uh, but when, when the Bible talks about the beloved, that's the brothers and sisters that we have in Jesus Christ. He said, I now write to you this second epistle or letter, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. He's repeating stuff they already know so they can learn and grow and be encouraged. And then he says in verse 2, that ye may be mindful of the words which are spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts. Now, uh, the first thing that I want you to see that Peter wanted everybody to get was to have a high value for the Word of God, a high value for the Word of the Lord, uh, that you should be reading this. You should become familiar with this. I remember years ago, uh, in another situation, I was teaching a group of young married couples, and I was talking about a Bible uh, time, a, a, time, a Bible story. I, I hate to use the word story because it sounds fake, but a historical setting in the Bible, an event, a happening in the Scripture. And so I asked these young married couples, and I said, and so what happened next in that story? And they, most of them had been in church for most of their lives. They'd been in Sunday school. They'd heard about the Bible. They'd heard it preached. And when I asked them, what happens next? One of them said, well, I know the VeggieTales version. <laughs> but they didn't know what the Bible said. When I served as a chaplain at DPS, some of our chaplains were believers, some were not. In fact, we had chaplains that were Jewish, who are definitely not believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we, we served and we ministered to people together. But I had the opportunity to become the supervisory chaplain for a while, and I taught chaplains, and I would use stories from Scripture, and I would share what the Bible taught in this situation. And one of them came up to me afterward and said, I never knew that was in there. I said, you haven't read it? He had been a pastor in a different faith, but a pastor for 20 years. He'd never heard the story that I shared from Scripture. And then another one came up to me, and he said, Man, you really take the Bible seriously, don't you? He was a pastor! How can you not take it seriously? Okay, but, but see, some people don't have a high value of the Word of God. 
And those guys, they cared about people, they loved people, they ministered to people, they did a good job of having their heart inclined toward people. But they didn't do a good job of teaching God's Word to people to help them follow the Lord. You need to have a high value of the Word of God. You need to learn it and become comfortable with it, familiar with it. Uh, You need to correct your behavior to align with what the Word of God says. So when the Word of God says, don't do this, what should you not do? That, whatever it was, don't do this. You shouldn't read it and have it say, don't do this, and say, oh, well, it's not going to hurt me this one time. See, the thing is, you never know what's coming. Jeff was just laying on a bed in the emergency room, and and Sherry noticed distress, and the doctors and nurses came running in and saved him. He didn't know. We don't know when the big events of our life are going to come or not come. But God does. And so we need to learn his word and be prepared. We need to be ready for what comes our way. And and by the way, Scripture is not the highest revelation. Maybe you hear that. people. The Bible is the highest revelation. No, it's not the highest. It's the only. Okay, there's a big difference. The Bible is not just the highest revelation. It's the only revelation. It's the only revelation applicable to all men. So, for instance... The Holy Spirit can lead in my heart and lead me to do certain things or not do certain things. And and honestly, it's a little awkward when I feel the Lord leading us to do something and Kathy doesn't, and we have to talk it over and we have to pray about it together. And, and you know, there have been times when she really wanted to do this financial thing and felt the Lord leading, and I'm like, I'd rather do that, and then, and vice versa. When I've said, I'd rather, I feel the Lord leading, it's, yeah, I'm not sure. So when we can't agree, we pray about it, we talk about it, we try to come up with agreement. And, and so there's times when the Lord leads you to do certain things. And that's the Holy Spirit leading in your life. And it's important for you to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and to obey. But see, when the Holy Spirit leads in your life, that's not God's word for all people. Simple illustration, right? A few months ago, we had a person on staff here named Benjamin. He's not here anymore. It wasn't a partial rapture. He felt led of God to go to um, Detroit. Well, outside of Detroit, but he's at Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary. And He's being challenged and stretched, and he's growing, and he's learning. and But he really felt God's leading there. And I teach at International Baptist College and Seminary in Chandler, 40 miles away. I really wanted him to go there. But he felt the leading to go to Detroit. Does that mean anybody who feels called to preach needs to go to Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary? Hope not, because I never did. Uh, but it does mean that's what Benjamin had to do. So God's not revealing new truth for everybody. If he gives you know, any person that I know who felt they had a message that God wanted them to get out to everybody and it wasn't from the Word of God, they were actually departing from the Word of God. 
They were saying, God's revelation to me is more important than God's revelation through Jesus, or God's revelation through Paul, or God's revelation through Peter. God can still lead you, and you need to listen and follow the Holy Spirit. But there's no new revelation that everybody should follow. In fact, uh, we're here in in, uh, 2 Peter. Turn over to Jude. That's the last book before Revelation. So... First John, then Second John, then Third John, and then Jude, and and look at uh, what Jude writes. It's a, this is a single chapter verse, and uh, look what Jude writes. All right, in Jude verse three, beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I think Jude was anticipating writing another gospel. Uh, to share about Christ. Maybe we would have learned some stories of what Christ was like as a teenager. Uh, we only have one illustration of when he was 12, and then we jump into his adulthood. So we don't have any. Uh, maybe he would have written that as a half-brother of Christ. We don't know. But he said he wanted to write that about our common salvation, but then he found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. So to contend earnestly is to get serious about this. You need to learn this. You need to know this. And what is that faith? It was once for all delivered to the saints. So it was delivered to the apostles. It was delivered for us. And we do not have new revelation. Every church that says they have new revelation, is departing from the Word of God. And some churches place their church traditions as of equal weight than the Word of God. And it's not. You need to have a high value of the Word of God. And not just think, oh, it's very important, but make it important in your life. That's why I encourage people to carry their Bibles to church. That's why in our Awana program, kids get credit for bringing their Bible. We want them to open their Bible to see and learn from the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is working in your life, but one of the biggest tools He uses is the Word of God. He wrote the book. You can read about that earlier in in 2 Peter. He wrote the book so that it could help you and challenge you. So, have a high value of the Word of God. Secondly, when culture strays away from the truth of God's Word, you need to be counter-cultural. When culture strays away from the truth of God's Word, be counter-cultural. Look in verse uh, 4. Where is the promise of His coming? That's these false teachers. And and then he says in verse 5, For this they willingly forget, that by the word of the Lord, The heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. See, there's when our culture strays away from God's word, we need to... Get out of step with our culture. There's some great stuff in our culture, isn't there? There's some really cool things. I, I love modern shipping and refrigeration. Honestly, I mean, today we had a power outage in Casa Grande. It, it went from 
just west of our house all the way out to 11-mile corner, and then it was started again uh, on Pert, right, and went all the way to um, Pinal and, and miles and miles of homes and this church without power for a little bit. And then, thankfully, it came back on. And Tim Martinez and Todd came down here early to make sure all the thermostats didn't reset. Uh, we didn't want it thinking it was Monday and did not have the air on. Aren't you glad they did that? That was great. Um, but when our culture strays away, there's some great things in our culture. We have air conditioning. What's really amazing is the first people who lived in Arizona didn't. And they lived here anyway. And if you're a descendant of one of those people, then weirdness runs in your family. Why would they do that? I don't know, but I'm glad they did. Anyway, we have a good culture. There's some good things in our culture. And with modern shipping and refrigeration, think about this. You eat better than kings ate any time before 1900. You eat better than royalty ate for most of Earth's history. In our culture, fruit never goes out of season. You might not be able to afford it in those times when it's not naturally in season, but you can get it. It's always available. Television sets are way better than they were when I was a kid. I mean, we had one of these screens like this that was rounded, you know, they they, they, did, they weren't flat, they were rounded a little, and it was black and white, and it was grainy, and and I remember when we got a, a TV, and it looked really nice, and I thought, man, it's never going to get better than this, and then the other day on uh, Amazon Prime, I was watching this old show that I had seen back then, and it was so grainy and such a terrible picture, and I thought, how did I think that was good? We've been spoiled. We have excellent access to the Internet. We have all kinds of things available. If you have a smartphone, how many of you have a smartphone? How many of you are smarter than your phone? Oh, all right. We have, we have smartphones. And, and if you have a smartphone, then in your pocket or in your purse, you have more computing power than existed in the world when we landed man on the moon. It's in your pocket. It's amazing. I love it. We share a calendar, Megan and I, in the church office, and, and it's on my phone, it's on my laptop, it's on the church desktop. I've got, I, I have a, an app that helps me keep focused on jobs at Todoist, and, and I, I have the professional version of that, and it helps keep me, keep up with things, and, and it, I, I love to do it, and I check off something on my computer, and I look at my phone, and it checks it off on my phone. Or I check it off on my phone and it checks it off on the computer. I, I just think that's really cool. That didn't exist 10 years ago and now it does. And, and we get cool text and Vox messages from our grandkids. And that's really fun. Kathy's sister in England sends Kathy a Vox letting her know how she's feeling today because she's had cancer and treatments and, and she gives her sisters an update and they can respond to her and she lives on another continent. And really in another world, if you've been to England, you would understand that. I've never been there, but I've read a lot about it, and I've met people from there. It's a different world. But see, some things that our culture has are just plain wrong, right? 
There's some great things in our culture, and we can enjoy that, and we can appreciate that. But there's some bad stuff in our culture. There's some apps that are really bad. There's some websites that are horrible. And some of the leading politicians in our, in our state and in our country think it's okay to denigrate and belittle and harass people who disagree with them. And they think that's okay. What does God say about that? God's Word says when you open your mouth, you should try and encourage people, and you should minister grace to people. So we don't want that part of our culture. Don't let that be part of you and what you're doing. Some of the bankers in our country took advantage of people, and they decided they would get profits and messed up a lot of people. And then when the country, our tax dollars, bailed them out from their stupidity, they took a bonus. And and the Bible says you should look out for the things of other people, not just yourself. They sinned against God. And by by the way, sin still has a judgment day. And if they've never trusted Christ as Savior they will answer for their sins politically and financially. And then some of the television shows show husbands and wives who lie to each other. Okay, that's really aggravating. Kathy and I get frustrated. And they also have shows where, like, the parents are dumb and the kids have to bail the parents out because those foggy old adults don't know what's real. That's not good. We should be truthful, and kids should show respect for their parents, not scorn for your parents. And and the Bible says you're supposed to be honest and treat everyone with respect. Even when you disagree with them, you show respect for them because there's a little bit of the image of God in them, and you show respect to them. And then our culture strays from the truth. When our culture strays from the truth of God's Word, you and I need to be counter cultural and not live that way and we can enjoy things of our culture and we can avoid things of our culture too hey thirdly you need to see the lostness of people who are without christ see the lostness of people who are without christ we're going to turn to a couple other passages but first look in verse 9 The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the heart of God. He wants people to be saved. And we need to see the lostness of people. So uh, let's turn first to Ephesians chapter 2. Galatians and Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to look at two parts of this chapter. The first at the beginning, Ephesians chapter 2. And you... He made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. By the way, pause there just a moment. 
realize that disobedience is a sin against God. You're not just disobeying your parents. You're sinning against God. All right, verse 3. Among whom we also, we, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh. That's how we used to live. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, just as others. We deserve the wrath of God for our sinfulness. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So you need to see the lostness of people. Without Christ, they're the children of wrath. And then uh, later on in this chapter, look down in verse 12. That at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without Christ in the world. You see that? Having no hope and without Christ in the world. That's where you were before Christ saved you. People who do not know Christ... Excuse me. Just a minute. Kathy and I had a friend, and she was saying that uh, her daughter got married, and she married a man who was not a believer. She said, but he's a really good man. He's just not a believer. And can can lost people be really good, humanly speaking, from our evaluation? Absolutely. But see, what that mom should have been doing, instead of just praising God that her daughter married a good man, She should have been praying daily, earnestly, that he would get saved. Because without Christ, even people who seem to be good and humanize, they go to hell. Because our righteousnesses without Christ are as filthy rags in the eyes of God. Isaiah said, we need Christ. And we need to see the desperateness of people without Christ. And I think we should have a great desire to see people saved. And we have an illustration of that in Romans chapter 9. Please turn there. Romans chapter 9. Paul writes about um, Jewish people who are not saved and his desire to see them get saved. Now, he's presenting a hypothetical situation here. It can never happen. But if it could happen, he would want it to. In uh Romans chapter 9, I tell the truth in Christ, I am not lying. He's not stretching the truth, he's not exaggerating. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for the brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. So Peter's saying, or Paul's saying, I wish that I could go to hell so they could be saved. He had such a desire for them to be saved. And to be honest with you, I never comprehended that. I just, that just absolutely blew me away till I had kids. Would I be willing to go to hell to keep my kids from having to go there? Yeah. 
would I do that for Kathy's sake? Yeah. For my brothers and sisters? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't think I could have. But does the lostness of people disturb you? Or do you go through your day just having a nice day and being comfortable with the refrigeration and the air conditioning and the cell phones and, and the modern conveniences of our culture? Do you watch television and never think about the people in your neighborhood who might be lost? Do you never pray for them? Does your heart not yearn to see them saved? I appreciate Ben's commitment to the Good News Club. It's a big commitment for Ben. He has a a full-time job and a half. He doesn't just work. He's a business owner. And he takes time off work to go in the middle of the work day to try and reach kids for Christ in a school. Why? Because they're without Christ and without hope in the world and they need to be saved. And, And we need to have a desire to reach people for Christ. Just a little silly little thing. A couple of weeks ago, we made those, put those little cards out. Do you remember when that was? Okay. A few weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, we had these little cards, and on the front side it has Victory Baptist Church, and then it has our purpose is to, um, (laughs) uh, how does it go? Our purpose is to show God's love and share His truth with others as we love and serve Christ together, our Lord Jesus Christ, as we love and serve our Lord Jesus Christ together. And we said those cards are out there. On the one side, it says that. On the other side, it has a little QR code where they could take a picture of that, and it would link them directly to our website on their smartphone. It has our website. It has the times of our services. And we said we had those cards out there. Now, don't raise your hand. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. Have you given even one card out in three weeks? Have you tried? Have you seen the lostness of people without Christ? We, we can't change hearts. We can't. When I was lost and I, and I was unsaved and I was causing some troubles at church and at school and my parents were praying for me and my grandparents were praying for me and my great-grandma was praying for me and... I had teachers praying that I would get sick and not come back to school. Uh, but, but people were praying for me, but nobody could change my heart. I had to believe on and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then He changed my heart. Are you praying for people to be saved. We have on our prayer list every week we do a prayer list or almost every week we have a couple of names of people who need to be saved. We don't put the, all the names every week, but there's always, are you praying for those people? And most of the time, Megan leaves a blank for you to add another name for somebody you could be praying for. I never saw the movie Schindler's List. I, I'm, I decided I couldn't handle it. I've I've watched some movies of Nazi atrocities and it, it, it overwhelms me emotionally to think that human beings could do that to other human beings. And so, I when Schindler's List came out, I knew I could never watch that show. But but I did watch the last few minutes, 
And it's a movie in which uh, there's an industrialist in Poland who happens to be a Nazi. His name is, is Schindler. And, and he was a member of the Nazi party. And then he saw the atrocities of the Nazis, and he decided he had to do something, and he decided he would try and use his company to help save Jews. So he kept telling the Nazis he needed more workers, and he needed Jewish workers, and he'd bring them into the factory. And, and then he was credited with saving 1,200 Jews by bringing them into the factory and saving their lives. And some of them hated him because he was making them work for free in his factory. And they thought he was taking advantage of them, but he was saving their lives. I never watched the movie, but I did watch the very end of the movie. And at the very end of the movie, there's all kinds of people standing around, and there's Schindler, and they're talking to him about saving them, and they appreciate the fact that he saved them. And then he says, I could have done more. What? Why didn't I do more? I, I could have sold my car. Why did I need this nice car? I could have sold my car. I could have reached more. I, I could have saved one more. And he was obsessed over the fact that he could have done more. Now, I never watched the whole movie. I, I only saw that scene. But that scene has haunted me for a lot of years now. And I've wondered if that's how I'll feel when I'm in heaven and people that I knew on earth are cast into the lake of fire. I, I could have done more. I could have tried to save one more. See, the Bible says something interesting about heaven. Have you ever heard the song, No Tears in Heaven? I even sang that in a quartet years ago, back when I could sing. And we, we had a quartet in our church in California, and we sang, No Tears in Heaven. Did you know the Bible doesn't say that? It says, eventually, no tears in heaven. See, it says, God's going to wipe away all tears from our eyes after we're in heaven. And so, what does that mean? We'll have tears in our eyes. If God's going to wipe them away, they have to be there. And I wonder if we're going to feel sorrow that we could have done more in that moment. I I don't know. The Bible doesn't specify. But we need to see the desperate lostness of people without Christ. And that should be our motivation. More than politics, more than comfort, to do the mission of Christ. And then number four, I I think we need to try and please God every day. Now, does this mean you will please God every day in every way? I I don't think that's humanly possible for us. But but look at the instruction that we have back here in 2 Peter. And uh, 2 Peter uh, verse 11, 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 11. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, What manner of persons ought ye to be in holy conduct and godliness? And then look in verse 14. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. We need to try and please God every day, to think about it every day. And I have known people, they'll come into church, and in fact, 
I, I knew a guy, he, he came into church and then he used a bad word. And he's like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Didn't mean to do that in church. Okay, where is the appropriate place for a Christian to use a bad word? Nowhere. It shouldn't be, oh, I'm sorry I did that in church. It should be, oh God, I'm sorry. I used the mouth you gave me to do something you despise. Forgive me and change my heart. That should be the, the, the rhythm of it, if you will. Holy conduct and godliness without spot and blameless. We should try to please Him. And when you fail, you confess it, you forsake it, and you try again, and you repeat that process as necessary. In Romans chapter 7, Paul confesses that even he struggled with sin. And he said that sometimes the very thing he wants to do, he does not do. He feels compelled to do this, and he doesn't do it. And then other times there's things he knows he should not do, but he does it. And it was bothering him. And so he wrote about it, and he said, I praise God that Christ Jesus gives us the victory over ourselves. In fact, in the Psalms, King David wrote about it, pre-king and post-king. David wrote about it before he was king and after he was king. And he wrote about the, the goodness of God, and he wrote about his own sinfulness and how he struggled with things. And he wrote about failures, and he wrote about victories. And in Galatians, the Apostle Paul said, we have a, a war going on inside. The spirit wanting to follow God and the flesh wanting to just be comfortable in our culture. And so there's this struggle going on inside. And it's going to be a struggle, but we should try and please God every day. In fact, next Sunday morning, I'm going to be doing a message on things that please God. Because we talked last week about the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to be there, and we're going to be evaluated. And so next week, we'll look at some specific things that God's Word says we can do that will please God and be what we would call reward-worthy material that God could give us a reward for. So hope you'll be back for that. And then look at one last thing here. Number five, you need to be at peace with God. Look back at verse 14. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. In peace means to be at peace with him. And that comes, first of all, when you trust the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. At that moment, you are exactly in peace, at peace with God. And some of you can't remember when you got saved. You got saved young. You don't remember the exact circumstances of it. Uh, but I remember the exact day I got saved. And and I remember the change in my life. And, and I remember uh, my roommate in the Marine Corps, Akram Joseph Benu George Bahadri. I led him to the Lord. And, and Akram got up after he trusted Christ as his Savior. We were both on our knees, actually at a bus stop on the side of the street. We got on our knees and he trusted Christ. And then we got up and he said, the world has changed. He was so excited. And he had had a terrible mouth. Marines aren't known for speaking politely. He learned colloquial English in the Marine Corps. He, he learned formal English in Baghdad where he was born, but he learned to speak the, the daily rhythm of English in the Marine Corps. His mouth was terrible. 
And from the moment he trusted Christ, he never said a cuss word. And people would come up to him and say, Akram, you're different. What happened to you? He said, I have Jesus in my heart. He wouldn't want that coming out of my mouth. There was a change in him because he was now at peace with God. And when you trust Christ as your Savior, you know, that all the enmity, the eneminess that existed between you and the Lord is gone. All your sins are washed away. And, and there's a sense of peace that you have never known. And then you sin again. And that peace is fractured a little bit. So to be at peace and in peace with God is you need to continually be in the process of correcting yourself to the Word of God, to follow the Lord. It's like when you drive down the road, okay? If somebody tells you you're going down the road and they say, just keep going straight, and then the road up ahead goes like this, do they really want you to keep going straight? No, they want you to stay on that road. And and life has twists and turns, and sometimes we're exactly with the Lord and sometimes we're not, and we correct ourselves back. Uh, the day of the Lord is coming, but it will not bring terror in our hearts because we're at peace with the Lord. We're in peace. We know the Lord, and we're going to be home with Him. We are His, and and we'll be okay because we know the Lord. We don't have to fear the, the judgment day of the Lord. He's in control. He's on His throne. He's loving and caring for His own. He'll get us through this one way or another. We'll get through this. Like a friend of mine was facing a quintuple bypass surgery. And the doctor said, are you ready? She said, oh, I'm ready. Either way, I'm ready. I know the Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior. And if I go, if I die, I go home to be with him. If I live, I'm home to be with his family at church. I'm ready. Doctor, are you ready? (laughs) Great testimony to the doctor who was going to do her heart surgery. But the, the wicked seem to be advancing. But guess what? God is not retreating. He is still in control. The omnipotent one. He rules. He reigns. And he's on our side. Because we belong to him. We can be at peace with God. When you value his word, and you walk in his ways, and when you honor God, even when our culture ignores or attacks him, when you see the lostness of those without Christ, and you walk in peace with God every day, then then you're going to have a closeness to the Lord. If you don't do those things, you won't have that closeness to the Lord. But God wants you to be close to Him. As close as you can be in a human body on planet Earth. So that when you can be closer to Him in a glorified body in heaven, you'll have more rewards to receive from Him because of how you live here and now. I can't imagine the future. I don't know how people come up with the ideas of things that we have. I I look at my phone and I'm just amazed at what it can do. And and Kathy and I were talking about something the other day and she wanted a copy of it and I flipped up my laptop, I hit a button, boom, it showed up on her computer. It's amazing. 
but even more amazing than anything on planet Earth, we're going to see the Lord someday. You know what the Lord wants? He wants to look at you and smile at you and say, here's your rewards. Remember we looked last week? He said, my reward is with me. I'm ready. He's eager to reward. And we can choose to walk with him. He has already chosen to walk with us. And we can walk closer with him as we mature in our faith in Christ. Jim, come and lead us in a song. I don't remember which one it is. Is it? uh, I didn't hear that, sorry. What is it? All for Jesus. All for Jesus. That's right. I